This morning we are continuing what we began last week. So we're looking at our vision for Lonsdale Community Church, who we want to be as God's people. And so last week we looked at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 and we kind of laid that beginning foundation talking about the God and his gospel and the God who saves us and how he saves us, how God brings us from spiritual death in our sins gives us new life in Christ. And then the beautiful thing about what God does is that those who he gives new life to, he then teaches how to walk. And he shows us how to walk in obedience to his will. And so that's what we looked at last week. And we answered that question, okay, how does God build his church? And and beginning with how are we as people reconciled to God, if we're born separated from God in our sins, how does God reconcile us to himself? He does that by the blood of Jesus and by giving us life in Christ. And so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of walk down the next step of this path is to say that if God reconciles us to himself, in Christ, he also reconciles us to one another, especially to one another in, in ways that kind of extend beyond what might separate us or what might naturally divide us in our world. And so both last week and this week are crucial if we want to really understand what we mean by saying that we want to be one church for all people. You could even extend that a little bit and say we want to be one church for all different kinds of people who are bought and purchased by Jesus. And so I'm going to pray and then we'll step into what we have for this morning. So let's ask the Lord to be with us. Father, we know that you create your people by your word and by your spirit You give us life in Christ and you sustain us by your word and by your spirit. And so this morning, I pray that you would open up your word to us, that the spirit that is within us would give us understanding where we need it. I ask that you would just be with me as I seek to preach your word faithfully, Lord. Help us to walk in the obedience that you have laid out for us as Lonsdale Community Church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are Lonsdale Community Church, and even as you look at the name of our church, it tells you something about who we are and about who we believe God has called us to be. I think that's always helpful um, when you're entering into something. And so Lonsdale Community Church, we are a church that was planted and exists today in Lonsdale and for the community of Lonsdale. To those who we are directly surrounded by in this space where we meet, um, who we are wanting to reach with the gospel. And so it's, it's helpful to know that if that is the case, to know what the Lonsdale neighborhood is like and has been like. 
Uh, our friends at Thrive have really helped and Clayton's really helped to kind of outline the history of Lonsdale and bring us all into things. And I think it's helpful for us to know uh, the Lonsdale neighborhood ha- has had a long and at some points difficult history. Maybe if you've lived here for a long time as well, um, you might know that. So there have been over the years many different barriers and divisions that have existed uh, in this community. Uh, even 50 years ago, the divide between black and white, for example, in Lonsdale was very, very clear and was very stark. And tragically, that divide was even reflected among churches in this community, some of whom were resistant to efforts to try and bridge that gap. And for many years, one of the symbols of this was the road that ran right down the middle of Lonsdale. It was named after the Civil War general. It was called Stonewall Jackson Road. And what that road symbolized in reality was the division at that point in time between black and white in this neighborhood. And then over time, as the dynamics of Lonsdale changed, uh, many different immigrant families have moved in and the cultural diversity that is here is now even more than it once was. And, and in August of 2020, a really neat thing happened to Lonsdale to where that road that was called Stonewall Jackson Road was given a new name. It was renamed Gloria Garner Road. And you'll see it if you drive over that way, named after a woman who did so much for the civil rights movement in trying to bridge those gaps. And so it was a it was a wonderful kind of symbolic gesture of hope for a future of Lonsdale that looks different from its past. And that kind of renaming of that road and all the different kind of efforts and revitalization efforts in this community have really helped to hopefully allow people to see a more hopeful future. But as we all know, even things like renaming a street does not solve the deepest sources of division that exist between people. Does not solve the depravity that is found in every single human heart. Social initiatives are good and symbolic gestures like that are good, but they can never do the work that God intends for his gospel to do as his people live it out. And so we're thankful again, thrive for the way that they model that with young kids in our neighborhood. And prayerfully, we as Lonsdale Community Church want to be that kind of place. So even as I'm talking about barriers and division, both socially, racially, culturally in Lonsdale, I want you to listen to what Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 says. So keep that in your mind as I read through the text this morning. We're going to read it in English first, and then we'll read the text in Spanish. So look at Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 11. Paul writes, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Hoy hablamos otra vez sobre la visión de nuestra iglesia que queremos ser una iglesia para toda la gente. Yo voy a leer Efesios capítulo 2, verso 11 hasta 22. Por tanto, acordaos de que en otro tiempo vosotros los gentiles en cuanto a la carne erais llamados incircuncisión por la llamada circuncisión hecha con mano en la carne. En aquel tiempo estabais sin Cristo, alejados de la cuidadania de Israel, y ajenos a los pactos de la promesa, sin esperanza y sin Dios en el mundo. Pero ahora, en Cristo Jesús, vosotros que en otro tiempo estabais lejos, habéis sido hechos cercanos por la sangre de Cristo, porque Él es nuestra paz, que de ambos pueblos hizo uno derribando la pared intermedia de separación, aboliendo en su carne las enemistades, la ley de los mandamientos expresados en ordenanzas para crear en sí mismo de los dos un solo y nuevo hombre, haciendo la paz, y mediante la cruz reconciliar con Dios a ambos en un solo cuerpo, matando en ella las enemistades. Y vino y anunció las buenas nuevas de paz a vosotros que estabais lejos y a los que estaban cerca. Porque por medio de él los unos y los otros tenemos entrada por un mismo Espíritu al Padre. Así que ya no sois extranjeros, ni advenidizos, sino con cuidadanos de los santos y miembros de la familia de Dios, edificados sobre el fundamento de los apóstoles y profetas, siendo la principal piedra de ángulo Jesucristo mismo, en quien todo el edificio bien coordinado Va creciendo para ser un templo santo en el Señor, en quien vosotros también sois juntamente edificados para morada de Dios en el Espíritu. Amen. So our text this morning, I don't know if you noticed it, but it follows a similar structure to last week's text. We begin with people who we might call 
two bitter enemies, Jew and Gentile, who were separated apart from Christ. Then we move into this second piece where this peacemaking Savior steps in between these two enemies. And then third and finally, he forms one new people out of those previously two distant people. And so we're going to follow this together. So let's look first at these two bitter enemies in our text. You'll find it again there in verses 11 and 12 where Paul begins. He's speaking primarily to a Gentile audience, but he's saying, okay, here there's these two peoples who have been enemies for some time. Well, who are they? Well, in in one corner you have the Jewish people who were God's chosen people who he, about 1,500 years before this text was written, he created when he called Abraham and he promised to him that he would make him into a great nation. And when that promise eventually came true and the nation of Israel was born, God then himself came to them and he governed them By his own word, by giving them his law, by giving them commandments, by telling them how they were to conduct themselves in the world so that they could be separate from other nations. So they didn't want to engage in all the idolatry and all the sin that other nations were engaging in. So God gave them this law to keep them separate and also so they could remain devoted to him, the true and living God. So those were the Jewish People, the people we read about all throughout the Old Testament in our Bibles. And then in the other corner, you have Gentiles, or you could also just translate that word, if you want, as the nations. So any nation or people that were not Jewish, that could not trace their ancestry to Abraham, they were Gentiles. So they bore some physical differences from the Jewish people. The one that Paul refers to here is circumcision. So they were not marked out physically as God's people. They were separated from that. They didn't have that physical mark that you are one of the people of God. But then also, do you notice that he he moves beyond that physical difference and he says they were spiritually separated as well. Did you see verse 12? They were separated from Christ, so they didn't know about a Messiah who was going to come and save his people from their sins. They were alienated from the nation of Israel, so they weren't governed under God's words and his commandments like the people of Israel were. And they were strangers to the covenants of promise, so they didn't know the promises that God had made that would eventually come true, and all the ways that He would work wonderfully for His people. So, so this is where these two different types of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, were. And and over time, again, I said fifteen hundred years before is when the nation of Israel was made, but over time, there was an increasing hostility and division and enmity and separation and bitterness that grew between these two groups of people. Over time, especially by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, God's people, the people of Israel, they were very prone to kind of just wear God's promises as like a badge of honor that they received and that other people had not 
received. They, they tightened his laws so much as to almost exclude anyone who wouldn't do exactly as they said. They added to his laws to make the requirements for being considered a true member of God's family to be really a lot more rigid than God had originally intended. But perhaps most of all is that they had forgotten their purpose in the world. That God formed his people in the Old Testament, not just so that they could look differently from the world, but he formed them so that they would also be a light to the world. God gave them a specific purpose when he told Abraham he would make him the father of many nations. He said, I'll make you a blessing so that you can bless other nations as well, And you find hints of this all throughout the Old Testament. So don't ever let anyone tell you that the Old Testament is just about God's heart for one specific people. And then finally Jesus comes and he opens it up to everyone. No, all throughout the Old Testament, God's plan all along was to let every nation of the world come and see his glory. I'll just read for you Isaiah 49 verse 6, for example. God says, I will make you, he's talking to the people of Israel, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And so instead of living as heralds of this salvation to the world, the people of Israel just kind of got to a place where they were hoarding it all for themselves. Their their hearts, which should have been softened towards those who didn't know the true and living God, They grew calloused, and they grew cold, and they grew hard. And so it's no wonder then that by the time Jesus comes along, these surrounding nations were no longer their mission, but they became their problem. They viewed people who did not worship like them or look like them as a problem to avoid. And so it makes sense then that it was said to Jesus, this man receives sinners, and he eats with them. And that was not a positive thing. So it makes sense then by the time Jesus is approaching his death, when he entered into the temple and he saw the place where the nations were supposed to come and worship was turned into a market to sell things for profit. That's why he flipped over tables. And then what did he say? He quoted Isaiah and said, My house should be a house of prayer for all nations. So the nations were being kept from worshiping God because the people of God had turned in on themselves and they had ignored their responsibility to the world. And so Jesus, in a real way, was coming to set those things right. So when the people of God forget their purpose in the world, they begin to view unbelievers around them as problems to avoid and not people to whom they're called to share and to tell the good news of the mercy of Jesus toward. Now the conclusion that Paul draws here in Ephesians 2, knowing all of this, he says, you Gentiles, you nations, you were without hope and without God in the world. And now all of us were in that category once. 
unless you can directly trace your family lineage back to Abraham, which I cannot, you were one of these Gentiles who was alienated and separated from God. Our neighbors in Lonsdale who don't know Jesus, they are alienated and separated from God without hope and without God in the world. And sometimes we can see this plainly, even on people's faces that we talk to and that we meet, whether here in this community or maybe that you run into every day in your life. You know what it is like to look at someone who you can just say that they don't have hope. And Paul says that's where all of us once were and that's where all of us would be if God had not intervened. So in the same way that Ephesians 2 verse 4 begins with that great phrase, but God made us alive together in Christ. Look at verse 13. Paul says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he goes straight to the cross. The single defining mark of Christianity, the cross where Jesus officially created a new kind of people, a new humanity that he's bringing together. And so the cross, in a real way, was, was God's answer to the people of Israel's failure to reach the nations. It's, the, it's God's answer to their failure to be a light to their neighbors. It's God's announcement that there are no longer any physical spiritual, societal, or ceremonial barriers between people and coming to him. So the previous system, you saw it, that that kind of told people where you were allowed to worship, how you were allowed to worship, what you must eat, what you must wear, what makes you clean, what makes you unclean, who you can associate with, who you can't. All of those things are now gone. Did you see that? It said Jesus abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. He did this because in his life, Jesus fulfilled what all these laws were designed to do. And then in his death, he removed them as a necessary way to approach God. Have you ever wondered when we read in the gospels about Jesus's crucifixion, there's that little aside that talks about the veil in the temple being torn in two. That veil was up to keep people from being exposed to the presence of God because it was dangerous for them. But then when that veil was torn in two, access was given to anyone and everyone to God without fear because of the blood of Jesus. And so now anyone and everyone can be reconciled to God. You saw that, right? Where he says that we both have access in the same spirit to God. And you might say, well, that's wonderful. But what about the ongoing hostility that probably existed still between these two different kinds of people and that may still exist between brothers and sisters in Christ who are trying to work this out? Well, the good news is, is that the early church had to work through this. It took them time to figure out how do people who once hated each other or didn't get along or didn't associate, how do they actually live in community together? So they didn't figure this out overnight. And so if we can't figure this out overnight, that's okay. There's a good precedent 
for that. But by God's grace, we can. And, and you, you see in this middle section where, where Paul is talking about this peacemaking Savior who brings these two bitter enemies together, he uses the word peace four different times. Do you see that? Verse 14, he says, Jesus is our peace. Verse 15, he says, Jesus creates one man in the place of two and he makes peace. And then verse 17, it says, Jesus preached peace. And even now when we are telling people of the peace of Jesus, that is Jesus preaching through us to those who are far off and to those who were near. So the cross is more than just the place where you receive personal forgiveness of sins. It is that. But the cross is also the place where Jesus makes peace to exist between people where it didn't previously exist and where he brings us together and and gives us access to God together and fellowship with one another. So, So now the differences that exist between people should no longer be a source of division, but they can actually be a source of celebration. To say that the primary way I look at you as my brother or sister in Christ is, is not your skin color or what you're wearing or your age or anything like that. The primary way I look at you is through the lens of the blood of Jesus and the cross that has reconciled us to each other and given us access to God. doesn't mean our differences should go away. They're wonderful things. We read Revelation 7 earlier that those differences are going to be celebrated in heaven, but they will all be celebrated underneath the banner of who Jesus is and what he has done. So Paul says elsewhere in Colossians 3 verse 11, he says here, he's talking about the same, here at the cross, there's not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbian, barbarian, sorry, Scythian, slave, free, none of these things, but Christ is all and in all. So to put it in our terms today, here at the cross, there is no black or brown or white, rich or poor, haves or have-nots, clean or dirty, Republican or Democrat, immigrant or natural born, former inmate or model citizen, Christ is all and in all. That is the defining mark of how we relate to one another through the blood of Jesus. And y'all, this is massively important to us if we're going to understand really what it means and live out what it means to be one church for all people. It means that we must see all people the way Jesus sees all people. When we look at a brother or sister in Christ, we see someone for whom Jesus died. When we look at the lost people in our community and in our lives, we see someone who is far off that God wants to bring near. And and then God himself creates a new kind of people out of this reality. So we're not separate from one another anymore. So where our text ends this morning in verses 19 through 22, there's three 
just kind of beautiful images that Paul gives that describe the church. And I never realized this until I was studying it this week, but each of these three images kind of grow in importance as you go down. So you notice in verse 19, we're fellow citizens. So we're citizens of the same kingdom. Then he says, with the saints and members of the household of God. So not only are we citizens of the same kingdom, but we're members of the household of God. So we're members of the same family. So you share something in common with others who might be citizens of the United States or citizens of wherever you're from, but you share more in common with your own flesh and blood, your family, right? And then the next layer down, he says, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So not only are we citizens of God's kingdom, members of his family, we are also people who share in God's presence together. You see how it grows in in its depth as we walk through this. So we're citizens of God's kingdom. So that means that we can recognize together together that our greatest allegiance is to Jesus over and above every other earthly power or authority in our lives. That our primary allegiance is to Jesus. And so regardless of whatever the political or social climate is like in our world, if we're together in Christ, constantly looking to him to lead us, then we can be at peace with one another, even if we may not agree about everything that goes on in our world. Because ultimately, we're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Our primary allegiance is to Jesus. That means that inevitably, when earthly leaders come and go, We don't put all our hope and all our trust there, but we put it in the fact that Jesus will always be ruling and reigning in heaven regardless. And then we're members of God's family, members of the household of God. And what I think this helps us do, it helps us see that we can pursue a kind of relational depth with each other that may be uncomfortable in other settings. So there's a kind of honesty and truth and transparency that we can have with one another as members of the same family of God so that we actually get involved in the difficult spaces of our lives. We've seen this, obviously, as it's worked out this past week with tragedy that has taken place in our own church family, but I use that term church family in a real kind of way because the way that we have responded and are still responding has made me just be so encouraged by the way that we love one another. This also means that if your family life is not great, or if your family is not here specifically, but is in another location, whatever it means, it means that the people of God can provide what you lack. It means that the people who are in this room and who are not here this morning, who are brothers and sisters in Christ at Lonsdale Community Church, that we can provide the kind of relational support for one another that God intended people who are united in the blood of Christ to have for each other. And we can go there together and we don't have to put on any sort of facade or any sort of front that everything's okay all the time. 
because we wouldn't do that for members of our own family and so we don't have to do that for one another. If after a year, I don't know, two years of me serving as your pastor, if you still have the perception that I am perfect in every way and just the model man of God, then I am not at all doing my job. If you have that perception of someone else in our faith family, then you may not just know them well enough. My goal, hopefully none of your goal, is to present to anyone that you have it all together, but to let everyone know that you are deeply reliant upon the grace of Jesus every single day. Members of the same family can do for each other. And then this last piece, we get to share in God's presence together. You say, where is the temple today? It's the people of God. That image from the Old Testament, the temple, the place where God's presence dwelt uniquely among his people is now us. Because God has given his spirit to every single person who has trusted in Jesus. And together, do you see, together we're being built into a temple in the Lord. That means we're accountable to each other. That means that we hold one another up when we're struggling. That means that we keep one another close to Jesus. That means that you have a responsibility to the brother or sister in Christ who's sitting next to you this morning. We have a collective responsibility for one another's spiritual growth. That's why living the Christian life on your own, apart from any sort of church body, is walking in disobedience to what God wants. Because no building is built with a single brick. But as they all find their place together, it grows into this beautiful structure. And that's the image that Paul is using. He's saying Christ is the cornerstone. He keeps everything else in line. He's the first thing. But then we are built up together as a holy temple in the Lord. And oh, what a privilege that we have to do this. So I pray as we finish this morning that kind of on these last three images especially, that you would maybe just sit with them a little bit. Think about what it means and embrace our God-given identity as citizens of one kingdom, under one king. As members of the same family, if Lonsdale Community Church is your church home. And then as people who share together in the presence of God. I think as we do this, there is a natural overflow that will happen in our community and even, Lord willing, beyond. That we will be a light to those who are currently living in darkness. And by God's grace, we can do that together. So this morning...